Hello and welcome to the Central Buna podcast. My name is Rusty Mott and I am honored to be the lead pastor here at Central Buna. We are a movement for all people to know Jesus and grow in Jesus. And we are hoping that this podcast will be a resource to help you not only know Jesus, but grow in him today. To find out more about our church, to give, to plug in, to connect with what God is doing here at Central Buna, head over to CBCB. Buna.com. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoy this message. If you have a copy of God's Word, I'd invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Well, congratulations on making it to February. You glad? You glad to be out of January? Anybody else? People say that's like the longest month of the year sometimes, you know, because it's like after the holidays, getting back to normal, and it seems like it takes forever, but you've made it. Is anybody else already ready for a vacation? All right, a few of you. I I was reading this week that uh, winter, the winter months, are actually some of the busiest months for the cruise industry of all year. It's like that just tends to be a time where people are all about that cruise life. And uh, there's a reason that cruises are big. Do we have any cruise people in here? Some of y'all? Okay, yeah. Some of y'all were like, let's go. Y'all are ready, man. I got some friends who've done some of the crazy ones, like, you know, three weeks, like going around Greece and all that, like wild, crazy. It's it's crazy. I've never done it myself, but I've heard it's absolutely awesome. And there's a reason it's pretty popular, right? Uh, Tends to be kind of all-inclusive, a lot of stuff going on. Like, Man, if you, if you like food, I hear it's a good thing, and I got to tell you, I like food, right? I didn't have to tell you. You knew I liked food. That's all right. Like, man, like you, if you want like a fancy dinner, dress up, go to the banquet room, man. There's one going on. If you'd rather have pizza, go to the 24-7 pizza bar that they got, right? And what about ice cream in the middle of the night? Call room service. They'll make it happen. It's, it, what about entertainment, man? You got options. You like stand-up comedy? Go listen to the stand-up comedian. If you want like a magic show, you can make that happen. They've probably got a movie screen. They're screening movies constantly. You can get all the entertainment you want whenever you want it. And if you kind of get like feeling lazy and sluggish from all of the food and entertainment, they can you can go exercise. I don't know why people would, but you can, right? They They've got a gym. They've got state-of-the-art equipment. There's basketball courts, pickleball courts, and I, I don't know about pickleball. It's just a thing, but whatever, right? Like, you can go do physical activity. You can, like, hit golf balls off the back of the boat into the ocean. Like, absolutely incredible, all kinds of things at your whatever you want, whenever you want it. You start the thing with a drink in your hand. I'm sure none of y'all would do it. Let's just Dr. Pepper is what you're drinking. Like, that's just where I'm going to go. You're talking to your Baptist preacher. Let's just go there, right? So on demand, you just it's just a great, incredible time. Whatever you want, whenever you want it, you get it, and it's just this incredible experience. Some of you are thinking, wow, this guy must need a vacation. He's going on and on about cruises. Well, the reason I wanted to to mention that today is I think that a lot of people tend to see church like a cruise ship. Uh, We we look for a church that has all the amenities that we hope will be offered. Uh, We we want to walk in and get the drink in our hand as soon as we're there. We want to have all the things catered to us. We want to have all of our preferences met. We want to find the place that has exactly everything that we want, the activities and options that are up our alley. We, We want the entertainment. We want what we want when we want it. And we want that experience to be frictionless. And if it's not easy, fun, and awesome, if everything on the ship isn't just how we like it, we're gonna bail. You know why? 
Because there's other cruise ships. And you can check out their brochures via our Facebook pages and websites, right? And, and see what amenities they have down the road and what different things. And if you work hard enough and look hard enough, you can end up finding the perfect cruise ship church for you, ready to meet all of your needs. But what I want to say today is that church isn't a cruise ship. Instead, what you see when you look at the scripture is really more of the picture of a battleship. Think about the difference between a cruise ship and a battleship, right? Uh, you, You show up on a battleship and everyone is dressed and ready for battle. They're they're all working together on a common mission. They're waiting on their marching orders, but while they wait, everybody is using their gifts and their job to serve in various capacities to make sure everything is running smooth and ready for whatever it is that comes their way. Church, I want you to hear me say today that God has given us a mission, and that mission isn't to grab a drink and sit on a deck chair. But God has called us and rather enlisted us into something far bigger than something to just entertain us and keep us company a couple Sundays a month. Rather, the Lord has actually called you into a battle that is raging. And he needs you. And I'm talking about you. Like if you got a card from a friend and they said, you should come to our church. And now you're sitting here thinking, this dude's nuts. Yeah, God needs you. And it's not an accident that you're here today, whether you've been in this church for, you know, since Jesus started it. Where's Brother Roger? I got you, man. (laughs) I knew you'd like that. Or or if this is your first Sunday here, do you know what I want to tell you? Man, I want to tell you that God knows you're here right now in this moment. and, And that God wants you to be a part of the work he's doing in this church. So as we start this new series that we're calling Rediscover Church, man, man, the hope is that we will all just be open and honest enough to say, Lord, what is it you want from me? I pray that you would have open hands with our church family, with, with your life, with your family, that you would say, Lord, who is it that you want us to be and how do you want me to be a part of that? I want to share with you what I pray will become just a simple vision statement for our church in the days ahead. Why do we exist? What are we here for? And here it is. Central Buna is a movement for all people to know Jesus and grow in Jesus. This is who we are. Central Buna is a movement for all people to know Jesus and grow in Jesus. Uh, Over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about the implications of this. Uh, You're going to see and hear this phrase everywhere on our website, on our publications, even on our walls. We want this to be the very DNA that drives everything else we do. And as we talk about the implications of this vision, as we walk through the Word of God through this series... I'm praying that some of you will be like, man, sign me up. I don't want to just go to church. I want to be the church. So, man, I'm praying that that's what God will do in these days. So today we're going to talk about this movement that Jesus calls the church. So let's read our text, and we're going to talk about how Jesus describes and sees his church. We're starting in verse 13 of Matthew chapter 16. Here's what the word of the Lord says. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. 
But you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus responded, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. Then he gave the disciples orders to tell no one that he was the Messiah. Uh, Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us understand his word. God, I pray that you, by your Holy Spirit, would just let your truth sink deep into our souls today. God, we we don't need thoughts from me. We need your Holy Spirit to impart your truth into our hearts and minds. So I pray that you would do that, Lord, that you would use the preparation of this week. Uh, You would give me clarity of thought and speech, and you would give my friends ears ready to hear, hearts ready to let your word be implanted in it, God, and hands and feet for all of us that are ready to walk this out. So, Lord, thank you for what you're going to do. Thank you for your church here at Central Buna. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, what do you think of when you hear that word church? Probably a lot of different things, right? Like, maybe it's good memories for you, but for some of you, maybe if we're honest, it's bad memories. Uh, Maybe you think of a building, or or maybe you think of old buildings. (laughs) Maybe you think of family members in your past. Maybe you're thinking about uh, sermons or special worship services or camp kind of things that you've been involved in in your life. Whether you've grown up in the church or not, chances are when you hear the word church, you're thinking and picturing something or some things. But here's what I want to tell you today. I can, whatever it is, I can't tell you what you're thinking of, but I can promise you this, what you're thinking of is not at all what Jesus was thinking of when he first used this word, church. This is really a new word when Jesus utters it. But for us, it is loaded with baggage, isn't it? And it's, it's unique personal baggage when you hear that word church. And you think, well, what does this actually mean? What does that actually look like? But when Jesus used this word church for the first time, Even when you see the New Testament, you look at the book of Acts and the rest of the letters of the New Testament, you see very quickly that our ideas of church are very different from what the Bible talks about when it talks about church. But this is where it all starts. The first time this word is used right here in Matthew 16, out of the mouth of Jesus. So let me just set the scene for us textually. The disciples are arriving at Caesarea Philippi, and as they roll into town, Jesus says, hey, who do people say that I am? It's an interesting question, isn't it? And sometimes you got to be careful asking questions like that. I don't want to know, right? <laughs> hey, what do people say about that preacher? No, don't tell me, right? So the hardware store the other day, and they're like, you're the preacher of Buna, right? I've heard some, nope, nope, just check me out, ma'am. It's fine, right? Just, I'll just take it, I'll just leave, right? Like, sometimes you don't want to know, but Jesus is actually not just saying, You know, he's not like a needy personality. Like, do people like me? No. He's working at something deeper here, isn't he? He says, who do people say that I am? I love the answers. Like, some of them are like, well, some think you're maybe Elijah's come back from the dead. Some of you think you're a a great prophet. Some think you're a pretty cool teacher and you got some great ideas. And then I love the question that really just like cuts through all of the noise, all of the junk, and just gets to the heart of the matter. You love that? He says, who do you say that I am? 
Now that's a question worth pondering today, isn't it? In fact, it might be the most important question that you ever answer. Who do you say that Jesus is? Y'all, I didn't ask who did grandma say Jesus was? Who did mom and dad say that Jesus was? Who do you think Jesus was? What did you see in that documentary on Discovery Channel that was probably stupid anyway? Who do you say that Jesus is? Are you ready to answer that question today? Man, man, if you're not, can I just tell you that I've been praying for you all week. I, I may not even know that it's you, but I've been praying all week that if there's anybody in here who doesn't know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, that today would be the day that you recognize Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And that he invites you to come to the cross or you can just ask Jesus to be your Savior and Lord and have your sins forgiven. And you can be given his perfect righteousness. And you can have the relationship with God that you were created to have if you just come to the cross today. Surrender your life to Christ. So who do you say that Jesus is? Are you ready to answer that question today? Peter was, wasn't he? And he immediately says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I love this. I love this moment. And Peter makes this confession. And Jesus' response in verse 17 is awesome. He says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. Here's what he said. You didn't just figure this out because you're smart. It's not like you put all the pieces together and voila, uh, you figured out that I'm the Savior. No, God revealed this to me. We talked about this a few weeks ago. It's an incredible reality. The only way we can know Jesus is because God chooses to reveal himself to us. Man, aren't you glad we have a God who loves us enough to reveal himself to us? And I'm thankful for that. So then we get to this epic moment in Scripture. And some of you, as I'm using this name, Peter, you say, well, wait a second, the Bible's calling him Simon. But this is the moment where Jesus gives Simon this name, Peter. Jesus says, I will build my church. And this is where we're going to head here in a moment. But he says, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. Now, I want to just very quickly acknowledge a little theological controversy that has come out of this phrase. For our Catholic friends, they would take this passage and say that Peter is the first pope. And Jesus said, is what they would say, is that there has been a succession of rocks or, or people who God has uniquely placed and that he uniquely speaks through and to so that his church can be built and established. I just want to tell you that, that I don't believe that because the Bible doesn't say that. Jesus is really here using a play on words. He says, you are Peter, which means rock, and on this rock I will build my church. Now, in the Greek language, it would you be interested to know that Peter and the word rock, he uses two different uh, words for rock. They're both Petrus, but two different, one of them is a masculine, and one of them is in the feminine. Now, it's interesting to me, because I'm like, well, if he's going to link them together, why not use the same word? You're the rock, and on that rock, I'm going to build my church. That's why I think he actually just has this play on words. Hey, here's what we know from the Bible, friends. Jesus is the foundation for his church. This is all the scripture says this. Jesus did not mean that Peter was the rock on which the church would be built. Instead, what most evangelical scholars believe, and what I believe from the scriptures, is that Jesus is referring to the confession that Peter has just made. 
the rock of his confession that Jesus is the Christ. If you want to do more study on this, you can. I would recommend looking at particularly 1 Corinthians 3.11, Ephesians 2, 20 and 21, where the Bible just explicitly says the foundation of the church, the rock of the church is Jesus Christ. So how is that church built? Well, friends, this is what this passage is saying, and it's so cool that we see this, and we need to make sure we understand this. The church is built by that confession that Jesus is the Christ. And I want you to know this is how church works. The moment that you confess that Jesus is the Christ, the moment you are saved, did you know that you are immediately part of something we call the church? When you get saved, you may not be attending a church or be a member of a church, but the moment that you know Jesus, you're no longer on your own. The moment you know Jesus, you are immediately part of what we call the family of God, the church. So let's talk about this word church and the idea that Jesus is communicating when he talks about the church. In almost every one of your translations here in Matthew 16, the word church was used, but you need to know when that word church was spoken by Christ that none of them, like I said earlier, have the ideas that you and I have linked to church in their heads and their hearts. The Greek word used here is the word ekklesia, and it simply means called out of. So when Jesus said, you are, I will build my ecclesia," they weren't thinking like a cool worship band and a sermon. They were thinking about a movement. That's what this word literally means. It means movement, called out of a group of people gathering around a common mission. Honestly, the closest comp we have, what they were likely thinking of when they heard ecclesia, would be the idea of a militia or an army. So here's what I want to say to you today. Jesus didn't come to start a neat organization. Jesus didn't come to build a building so that we could have services and you could attend a couple times a month. Jesus came to start a movement, to call people out of their lives, called out of, to join the army that he is building to fulfill the mission to which we've been called. You may be thinking, well, pastor, that sounds a little bit radical. Well, I'd invite you to look at verse 18 again. 19. It says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. That sounds pretty radical to me. That he's going to call us out of our normal lifestyles, out of our random American ways of living life, and he's going to enlist us into a mission that is far bigger than you could think or imagine. Does that describe our church today? And are we living this out? Are we an army of believers boldly pressing back against the darkness in our culture and taking light to the dark places? You see how critical this is to rethink this a little bit? How far off the American church has gotten? Oh, I know what we need to do. Let's get a fog machine, Caleb. (laughs) I think that's it, bro. I can just, you know, try to get some skinny jeans, skinnier jeans. I told you, they're all skinny jeans on me. I'm trying, but... I like, like, this is that's what we need to do. We, we need this or we need that. We need to really kind of do, but listen, 
Jesus didn't come to start a cool church service. He came to call an army to rise up and fulfill his mission. He came to start a movement. So so if we're going to rediscover church, I I think it's going to require some unlearning on our parts. Have you ever had to unlearn something? That's not fun. Like I've had one way of doing things, and that's the way I've always done it, and then all of a sudden that has to get changed. Anybody a fan of that? No, man, none of you are. I know. Try changing something in a Baptist church. (laughs) Change is the Baptist cuss word. Right up with asking you to serve at a Wednesday night meal. So they're close. Oh, something too close. Sign-up sheet's back there, by the way. Completely empty. <laughs> right back there in that corner. Pray about it. Army's got to have some cooks, you know what I'm saying? We've got to feed all these um, you know, people in the, the militia. So. And change is difficult. But we've got to unlearn some things if we're actually going to be the church. Because it's become so westernized, Americanized, southeast Texasized, right? We have all these ideas of what church is and what it should be. But, but man, I want us just to think through some practical realities. If church is a movement, then there are a few practical realities we need to consider. So first, let me say this. Church is a people, not a place. Church is a people, not a place. One of my best friends is a, a pastor in Wichita, Pastor Pete. You'll hear me refer to him from time to time. Uh, still a very good friend. We talk regularly. And he would always annoy me because I would be headed over to his church and I would say, hey, bro, I'm on my way to your church right now. And he would say, you mean the building our church meets at? <laughs> oh, and I just died on the inside and rolled my eyes as hard. Like, it was, I'm driving. It's dangerous to roll your eyes as hard as I am. I'm like, what are you doing, bro? You know what I meant, Okay. But can I tell you what I came to actually appreciate? Language matters, right? Like when I say church, can I tell you what I'm generally speaking about? When I say church, I'm talking about this building. I'm up at the church or I'm going to the church. But here's what we need to recognize. Central Baptist Church is not a building. Like, man, if you've been here from the beginning of our church, We've met in different, we were at Besmay, and then we came here, and we've met in different buildings. This isn't the first place we've gathered work. This church is not a building or a location. This church is a people. We don't do this with everything else in our culture. Have you noticed that? I was thinking about sports teams. How weird would it be if we did this? What if I were to say to you that my favorite baseball team was Minute Maid Park? Oh, man. did you see Minute Maid Park on Friday night? It was crazy. I really think we have what it takes. Minute Maid Park's going to go to the World Series. Oh, we don't do that because here's the reality, man. And they, they, build, them, they build new stadiums like every six years now in the world. It's kind of weird. A disposable billion-dollar buildings. It's fine. Churches are doing that too. But anyways, different conversation. When the Astros inevitably move out of that ballpark, can I tell you what's going to happen? My fandom's going with them. I'm not a fan of the building. I'm a fan of the team. In fact, I want to go back to the Astrodome, if we can just be realistic, right? Uh, Some of you are like, that place is a dump. It was awesome. It's the memories of my childhood, okay? Don't take that away. See, I can be Baptist too. (laughs) In the same way, this facility is just our gathering place. 
And man, I want to tell you that I love our facility. Man, Bryce prayed that earlier. Man, we're thankful for this building. We're thankful for what God has blessed us with. Man, there are times where I'm walking around on campus uh, during the week, praying for different ministries, just trying to stretch my legs, thinking about my sermon, and I catch myself just having to say, God, thank you for these facilities. And the Lord has blessed us, and we're so grateful for it. And we want to use everything God's given us to reach this community for Christ. But at the end of the day, this building isn't Central Baptist Church. We, you and me, are Central Baptist Church. We're not a building. We're a movement. You're part of it. A people called by Jesus to serve as his hands and feet. So the church is not a people. The church is a people. It's not a place. So the second application I want us to consider is this. Church is about the mission, not the methodology. Church is about the mission, not the methodology. In a world of cruise ship churches, I think it's important to talk about this. I think it's easy to spend our time looking around at other churches and debating what model is best. You know, I'm just going to level with you. Most of the time in the, you know, 10, 15 years I've been pastoring, when people come up to me and say, Oh, pastor, I got this idea for what our church needs to do. Can I tell you that maybe even 100% of the time, do you know where that idea came from? Something their cousin's church was doing. Or something they saw on Facebook. Or something they heard on a podcast. And I'm not, listen, we've taken some of those ideas and done them. So I'm not saying something's wrong with that. But what breaks my heart is I don't think we often say, hey, pastor, I was reading the Bible the other day. (laughs) Right? Like we tend to look around at other churches and, uh, again, You know I've got some concerns about the American church. I've shared those with you and will continue to as the Lord gives me freedom to do it. But if we're honest, much of the debate and the conflict regarding the way that churches function and how we operate are based on personal preferences and the traditions of man. So here's how that conversation usually ends up sounding like. You know what we need? Y'all don't amen this because I'm setting you up because some of y'all be ready. You know what we need? We need more traditional music. And there's other people who say, you know what we need? We need more contemporary music. Why do we got to sing some of those old songs every week, Caleb? Oh, you know what we need? We need more practical teaching. And it's like walking through. First Corinthians 1 was weird, and pastors shouldn't have done that. And why didn't we, New Year, why didn't we talk about habits? I'm going to start talking about other cruise ships if I don't wind it back. Why why isn't the teaching more practical and applicable to my life? It's just kind of too theological and heady. Or or on the other end, we need more expository preaching. That's what we need. Man, we're not even past Sunday mornings yet, right? (laughs) What about children's ministry and youth ministry? What about the way we do our church government, the way our church polity is, the way we run our church? What about the way we do our finances? What about all these different things? And here's what I'm going to tell you. If we were to take a poll on all these various issues, can I tell you what 100% would happen? We'd have different opinions on all those things. A lot of different answers. And what I want to tell you today is just the, the honest truth. I'm not saying that the Bible has nothing to say about these issues. But what I am saying is that the Bible honestly has very little to say about the methodology we use. This is true. And if we're not careful, what we end up doing is making our preferences the main issue in the church. You know what's really wrong with our church? 
if you were to fill in the blank with your answer today, can I just, just this is going to be hard for you to hear, but I'm just going to say it anyways. You know what's really, what Central really needs to do right now? Your answer to that question is your personal preference, most likely. So can I tell you a better way to say that? You know what I really like and want? <laughs> and I, I just can tell you, as quiet as you are in here right now, it's even more awkward when I say that to people on an individual basis in my office. What ends up happening is as we argue and debate and try to figure out how to do church in a way that makes everybody happy, we end up forgetting the mission of God. Friends, I've seen some really cool, hip pastors and hip, cool, awesome, amazing churches that are on mission for Christ. At the same time, I've seen some super traditional coat and tie wearing choir behind them, dabbing the sweat off their bald head with a handkerchief, pastors, churches that were on mission for Christ. The methodology isn't what matters, friends, it's the mission. So for a church like Central, and let's be honest, aren't we kind of in the middle of those two extremes, right? We need to remember this. Preferences change. Methodologies change. But the mission does not. So we hold our mission tightly, but our methodologies loosely. You see that? And the danger that the enemy wants to happen, and I've seen happen in a ton of churches, is that we hold our methodologies tightly and completely disregard the mission. And if we want to do that central, we can, but this church will be dead in a few decades, maybe sooner. But when we have open hands with our methodologies and say whatever the Lord wants from us, whatever he wants us to do, we're ready, and we hold tight to the mission God's given us, oh, watch out, man, because God stands ready to do some incredible things. We're not here to build a really cool church. We're not here to build an old school traditional church. We're here to be a movement for all people to know Jesus and grow in Jesus. So the church is about the mission, not the methodology. Well, to sum all of this up, our last statement is this. Church is who we are, not something we do. And we've already kind of been saying that, but I want to just say it that way. Maybe even a simpler way would be to this. Church is a calling, not a club. So, so here's what happens. When church is a cruise ship, it's easy just to hop off one ship and go to another. I mean, I think there are some people who like check out every cruise liner in Southeast Texas. We hop from ship to ship until we find the one that's perfect for us. I, I want to just tell you, friends, this is killing the American church today. You know what's killing the American church today? It's not liberalism, it's not politics in the church. It's not traditionalism. It's not progressive theology. The greatest danger in the American church today is consumer Christianity. We've turned the church into a business. Jesus didn't say, I will build a business and we'll call it church. That's how American church has come to operate. If you get customers and keep them happy and do all the right things and do well, everyone else in your town is going to come to your church and you can build bigger businesses, bigger buildings, hire more staff. But I do not think that's what Jesus had in mind in Matthew chapter 16 when he said, I will build my church. 
I, I really believe today that Jesus is looking for people who will stop going to church. I'm just going to let that hang for a second. People who will stop going to church and will start being the church. That's a huge shift. Going to church is easy enough to do in Southeast Texas. I mean, you throw a rock and you hit a church, right? Uh, they're all over the place. But being the church is a different thing. I started this message talking about the difference between a cruise ship and a battleship. Uh, there's another pastor friend of mine that I was talking to about this analogy one day, and he said, you know what? I don't think we're a battleship. You know what we actually are? He said, we're an aircraft carrier. I love that. He says, man, man we come in together. We, we gather on Sundays and Wednesdays and in small groups throughout the week. We come together and we refuel, we replenish, uh, we, we get together and we fill up and we are encouraged, we're equipped, we get everything we need. And then you know what we do when we say amen at the end of the service? We send out from here. And, and I don't know if you know this or not, man, I, this church is getting crazy. Do you know we're a multi-campus church? No, you can't watch me on a TV screen somewhere because that's stupid. I don't care. Send it to whatever pastor you want to watch on the screen. That's dumb. There's, again, throw a rock and hit a church. Why don't you have a pastor that you can know and talk to? But whatever, y'all just keep doing you. That's fine. That wasn't in my notes here. How was I supposed to word that? No, here's what I mean when I say Central Baptist Church is a multi-campus church. Because if this church isn't a place... If this church is a people, you know what happens when we say amen in a little bit? It's like what happens, Coach Rolla, when everyone gets their hands in and says, one, two, three, and I'm not going to say what team because they all get mad, but uh, let's, go, let's go Cougars, all right, right? You know what we say? We put our hands in and we say, Jesus on three, one, two, three, two, and you know what we do? We go to our spots. So, y'all, we've got campuses in Lumberton, we've got campuses in Evadale, we've got campuses in Newton County, Jasper County, and who knows where else, man. We've got people all over Southeast Texas. We've got people in the plants, we've got people in the schools, we've got people in walks of life that your pastoral staff could never get to. But you know what? God has uniquely gifted you and called you to take this movement with you into the corners of Southeast Texas that no church can ever go. So can I tell you what we want to be as a church? We don't want to build a bigger ship. We're not just trying to get more people to come hang out. The movement isn't a Sunday gathering. The movement is what happens when you leave here. When I'm preaching a message that's going to be heard by like 250, 300 people, can I tell you what I'm thinking about? Not only the 250 of you in this room right now, I'm thinking about literally thousands of people who will be impacted by what happens to you. Think of how many people you will interact with this week that God has given you an opportunity to bless and take Jesus to. Central Buna is a movement for all people to know Jesus and grow in Jesus. My prayer is that over the next several weeks, as we continue to think through what this means practically, what this looks like, how it shapes the way we think about our church and the way we do church, that you and I would have hearts ready to be molded and shaped by God's word into who it is that he wants us to be. 
So man, let's pray together. We'll respond to the word of God and we'll let him do his work. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this message. Thank you for this moment that was recorded in Matthew 16. Lord, I first thank you that you have revealed yourself to us. And Lord, I pray for my friends in here who maybe have not had their moment like Peter where they've confessed that you are the Christ. Lord, I pray if there's anybody in this room who doesn't know you, that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, that you'd give them boldness to come talk with Brother Bryce or me and just to say, man, I need to know Jesus. I need to confess that he is Christ in my life. But, but Lord, I pray for all of these Christ followers in this room, people who've already made that confession, that you would help us, Lord, know that you didn't save us to sit down on a deck chair and watch the view. Lord, you put us here so that we could be a movement. We could be in your army fulfilling your mission in the unique ways you've gifted each and every one of us to do that. So God, equip us, strengthen us, give us boldness. Lord, just, I pray that we would just open the, the sails of our hearts and our lives in this church and just let your spirit move us where you want us to go through the teaching, preaching of your word. We love you, God, and we thank you for what you're going to do. Thank you for listening to Central Buna's weekly sermon podcast. For more information about Central Buna, please visit us on the web at cbcbuna.com.